0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point.
1: What's life like as an international influencer based in China? In the past few years, a host of international bloggers or vloggers have appeared on social media platforms both within China and abroad to share their experiences and views about everything Chinese. Through pictures, articles, videos and some with professional-level quality, they have been loud and clear in telling the China stories through their perspective and they have attracted great attention. In fact, they have helped build an online community of like-minded commentators and followers who are fed up with what's been written of China on mainstream English media. However, there is a rub. They are often subject to smear campaigns, which target either their reputation or even their character. The latest example being a report released by the notorious Australian Strategic Policy Institute, which compare them as tools used by the Chinese government to push propaganda on social media platforms. Nothing new really. As we enter a new year, how are these opinion leaders planning to continue weaponizing truth about China to counter the mis, even disinformation out there? How do they survive the shark tank? Welcome to this special edition of The Point with me, Liu coming to you from Beijing. I'm pleased to be joined from Shanghai by Andy Boreham and from Zhongshan City in southern China by Jerry Gray. Gentlemen, welcome to this special edition. So let me give people a uh, brief introduction to my guest, Andy. Uh, was born and raised in New Zealand and he completed uh, his master's in Chinese language and culture in Shanghai's prestigious Fudan University. After graduation, he became a full-time employer of Shanghai Daily and he's been there for seven years. By the way, Andy's handle on YouTube is uh, Reports on China where he has 61k hmm. followers and his ex-handle is Andy Boreham where he has 98,000 followers. Jerry which is my second guest joining us from uh, southern China's uh, Zhongshan City has a, also a very interesting experience. He was uh, born in the UK. He served 10 years as a police officer in UK but later he migrated to Australia where he worked in a multinational organisation but since 2003 he moved to China and has been living here ever since. He has travelled to over 200 cities on the Chinese mainland. He says he probably knows the Chinese mainland than many Chinese do and he love cycling that's why you see a helmet you see him wearing a helmet on his uh, youtube channel and on his uh, x platform channel and since 2018 he has been active on social media as a commentator and freelance journalist jerry welcome to the point now having said a little bit about your experiences. 2023, you have all been very busy and I have been following what you have been doing. But looking back yourselves in the year 2023, if I'm going to ask you to name one moment, what would that be? Andy, let's start with you.
2: Oh, there were so many moments last year. But I think probably for me in my work, it would have been riding on the new China Talaos Railway. I think that was a proud moment. Um, as someone who's lived in China for 10 years, I felt as proud or maybe even more proud than many Chinese did. So I think, yeah, exploring the Belt and Road Initiative countries uh, was absolutely amazing and something I won't forget.
0: Jerry? I think probably uh, because I have a great interest in poverty alleviation, I got taken to a, a mountain village in um, in Guangdong, but in the far north of Guangdong, in the, um, Uh, in the mountain range there and uh, seeing a village that i'd visited more than 12 years before which used to be an impoverished beautiful but impoverished region and it now has a sealed road going into it it has coffee shops it has hotels bed and breakfast type things and and seeing the differences Um, i'm a big fan of poverty alleviation and that to me epitomizes exactly what has been happening in my time in china so that was probably the big one for me
1: mm-hmm. well both of you call yourself a uh, media personnel or journalists who are telling the true facts about china and uh jerry you call yourself the one who does research to debunk the misinformation but there seems to be uh, some heavy costs to this job for instance as I mentioned the Australian uh, Institute called strategic policy Institute released a report in November last year. It says China actively cultivates a rising group of foreign influencers with millions of fans which endorses pro CPC narratives on Chinese and global social media platforms and Andy your name was even mentioned so mm. um how does it feel to be labelled as such? What is your reaction to such reports and such attempts to um, demonise what you're doing, to smear what you, what you have been working so hard to build?
2: Well, I think it's just something I have to laugh at, to be honest, because it's just so out of touch. Basically, the premise of that report is to say that anyone who is in China and says anything good about China is necessarily pushed along by the CCP or or telling propaganda, which is just laughable. So one of the parts of the report was um, that uh, international students here in China are somehow coaxed or, or pushed along by the CCP, the evil CCP. And I've studied at four universities in China and I've never once been coaxed by anybody or indoctrinated in any way. So I think it would be interesting if they could actually come out with some solid uh, you know, names, because I think it's all a lot of the report, and I'm sure Jerry agrees, is actually just conjecture, um, guessing games. Uh, so I think for me, basically being in the report, I, I, I mean, It's just, I have to laugh at it. But I am a bit worried that some people may still uh, believe that kind of thing. Mm. But I have to say, I think international uh, media attention on their report uh, was called uh, Singing from the CCP Songbook, uh, was very low. So I think people are tiring of Aspie, finally. Mm.
1: Jerry, uh, what do you think of such reports and its credibility? Um, Do you get this kind of naming and shaming and... uh, character assassination efforts, <laughs> attempts against you. I think
0: anybody who is in China, who says anything positive about China is going to get this kind of uh, response from some people. I make the comment on my um, one of my channels where I say, I'm not here, I'm not trying to change the mind of anybody who believes all that. I'm here to answer questions for anyone who's open-minded enough to say, is this true? And if it's not true, I can say why it's not true. And, and you know, I, I challenge everybody who, every single person who responds to me gets a response back from me. And I challenge them. You know, if they're rude, I just block them. If, if they're deliberately rude, I don't, get, I don't respond. But mm. if they're simply saying, oh, you're a paid shill or a CCP shill, the usual sorts of things, I say, well, please take a look at that video, take a look at the attached article and tell me which part you think is not true and then give me a reason why you think it's not true, supported by either academic or government statistics. Because if you're just gonna give me a headline, I'm not gonna to respond to that. But this is this is my response to most of them. Mm. Please show me where it's not true. It doesn't matter whether I do get paid or I don't get paid by the evil CCP. The fact is I don't, I wish I did, but I do all of this in my free time. I have a lot of free time. I'm retired from work, so mm. plenty of free time. I do a lot of research, I provide statistics, information, I provide links to almost every fact that I mention, and then I support that with my own experience. Now, you can tell me sitting in your armchair or in your mum's basement in North Carolina that I'm a liar, but can you prove that I'm a liar? And if you can, then I'll, I'll absolutely correct anything that you can prove I've made a mistake on. But well, if you what, can't-
1: What do you think is the you, biggest, um enemy let's say if i may use this very um you know fiery word because you're obviously up against something the misinformation and disinformation but also taking a look at the the kind of emotive and broad brush responses or attitudes of the responses that you just mentioned uh, Andy. i want to start with you what do you think you're fighting against and uh sometimes it seems like your only crime is that you're praising China and criticising the West and starting from the Western media.
2: I think what we're fighting against, and it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I think it is this large, it it, it is Western oligarchy. It is the US government mainly led by the US government. I think um, they're hell bent on stopping anyone from seeing what China's really like. And so I think people like Jerry and I are probably the people they want to silence the most. And that's why they come up with these kind of reports like Aspie trying to say we're paid shills and spreading propaganda. I think they're terrified of people finding out that there could be another system, maybe another way of uh, seeing the world or interacting internationally or even among each each other um, that works better than the so-called liberal democracy, um, which has been indoctrinated into people, especially in the West, even for myself. Coming from New Zealand, I grew up thinking you know, we are, this is the way things should be. People should learn from us. Uh, And it took a little while after arriving in China to kind of realize there are different ways. So I think they're terrified of of anyone finding out, because if you look at, at the West right now, especially in the US, it, to put it bluntly, it's a mess. Uh, people are suffering, uh, high inflation. Um, you know, it's on the verge of on the verge of like a civil war, uh, you could say. So, I think people there are suffering, and if they find out there's a better way, if they find out that China maybe uh, is doing things better, uh, they need to push that down. Uh, so, I think that's what we're up against. Uh, it's a huge effort. Uh, I still like to think, even though my efforts are probably just a drop in a bucket. Um, I, I hope, and I'm sure Jerry is the same, that I can even ch- just change a few people's minds. I mm. think um, that's enough. So basically, we're up against something massive, really.
1: Absolutely, and Jerry, mm. uh, let me come to you. I see you're very passionate in what you're doing. Almost every day you are churning out something you're putting it up there and you're doing it by yourself. I can tell it's a it's a one-man production or maybe a, a one a husband and wife production with the support <laughs> of your wife.
0: It's yeah. not even a husband and wife, it's just me.
1: <laughs> okay, so why are you so passionate about it? And you're not getting paid for this. You're doing this out of your own passion and you're up against yeah. a very formidable enemy me why do you why does it matter to you what you do
0: um it started a lot of people have asked me why do i stand up for china and the, the truth of the matter is i'm not standing up for china i'm standing up for truth um, i feel that uh, and i've got family members and friends from the west who have said to me you, know, you can't be right because everybody mm-hmm. is telling you you're wrong and i'm saying yeah this is the biggest problem that i'm facing i am right because i know for example, I've been through Xinjiang and I've spoken to hundreds of people in the region. I've done the research, I've done the background, I know that I'm right. I, I used to sleep at night and think, what if I'm wrong? But I know no. I'm not wrong because I've gone back to Xinjiang again and had another look to confirm my own doubts. So in particular, Xinjiang is a, is a, is a passion for me, but China in general, and truth is more more what I'm aiming for. Every time I see misinformation. I think, well, there's a good topic for me to, to make into a video or to, or to put a tweet out or an X post. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what it is. It's a simple case of there are so many people who are victims of this misinformation. Right. And I don't see them as being ignorant or racist. Some of them are, but I see them as being victimized. They do not know the truth mm-hmm. and they believe because it's repeated over and over right. again all the lies about China. China is not what they think it is. It's absolutely not.
1: You know, how do you attract more attention? How do you get your message across more effectively? I see Andy uh, deploying uh, the tactic, I would say, the fun, (laughs) the fun factor. For instance, (laughs) I was watching the latest um, episode about garlic, You called it communist garlic, (laughs) and you actually had a poll we asked people what would be the next big China threat. It's it's so genius. I, I mean, I laughed out loud when I watched it. How did you come up with it? Um... You basically asked people to choose the next- Next pol- big China threat. <laughs> yeah, the next big China threat, because the US Senator mm. wants an investigation into the next biggest national security threat to the US, which is garlic <laughs> from China. Yeah, and, I and mean, that's so, hilarious. Yeah, so you asked what else from China will be deemed a national security threat? A, high hmm. government satisfaction. B, powerless <laughs> billionaires. Three, Um, Sichuan Sichuan dishes and the Taobao and the highest votes went to Sichuan dishes a whopping 54 percent that's so hilarious so tell us Mm. about your way of fighting you know the formidable enemy that you're up against
2: well like you said you really need to use humor but um, they really give us a lot of ammunition like sometimes today you can't even tell what's real or not because it's so ludicrous um, I think a report came out recently that in the U.S. In, in the Senate, I think, they tried to pass something like 600 laws relating to China. That is so extraterritorial. I mean, you have to laugh at it. And I think they're all vying with each other to be the most outlandish, the most ridiculous, because, of course, we have elections coming up uh, in the U.S. next year or this year. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to throw it back at them. Um, and one example is I, I like to make um, sort of some funny merchandise, I guess. So you mentioned in the of the show how I received a um, China state affiliated media tag on Twitter. Um, that was because some foreign journalists uh, actually thought it would be a bad thing. So they pushed Twitter to give me that label. But I was so proud of it. And I didn't want them to win and think that had held something over me. So mm. I kind of uh, rode into it, turned it into a fun thing, and I made these pins. Oh, I'm wearing one now. Yeah. Uh, it says China state affiliated media. Yeah, that's- um, and so many <laughs> I've people seen it. wanted it. i
1: hilarious that's hilarious yeah. i wanted
2: to by the way <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is um you know all those western journalists that got me the label basically gave me a gift because i i had so many more followers following that and um, people have had enough of the mainstream media and if you zoom out to the international perspective the mainstream media in when you look at it from a global perspective is the western uh, english media so once i had that tag so many people were i mean in a lot of also china supporters were so jealous they were like how can i get one i want one. So that's why I made this. So basically, use humor against them. Um, and, and I think that's all we can do because it is really ludicrous. And like Jerry said, we're really aiming to to try and find those people who are somewhere in the middle that can see the humor and they really want to know the truth. Yeah. Those who actually believe it, they might be too far gone. I'm not sure what Jerry thinks.
1: <laughs> Jerry, um, what is your tool to weaponize truth? I am using this, I, I don't like the word weaponize, but I think if misinformation, disinformation are weaponized, you need to fight back as effectively as as the other way around. What is your answer to it? I've noticed you've done series on so-called China threat, right? You talked about a host of false alarms that have been thrown onto China. What is your way to fight disinformation and misinformation?
0: I see it more as not me weaponizing, but me disarming them. Uh, and I think that's probably a better way of looking at it. We, we aren't, I'm not trying to weaponize anything. I'm just trying to say, well, you're wrong. So if I can take away your weapon, then we don't have a war. Simple as that. Uh, and I do that through facts. I do it through figures. You know, people say to me, but you know, China has no freedom of speech. And I say, well, where are you from? I'm from the UK. OK, well, what happened to that guy who shouted, Charles is not my king? What mm. happened to him? He was arrested at the coronation for shouting, Charles is not my king. Now, I know why he was arrested. He was arrested to prevent a breach of the peace. But that's not the point. He didn't have freedom of speech. Now, if you're in America, what would happen to you if you went online and supported the January the 6th protests? Who would be knocking on your door early in the morning next week? Uh, You know, you're going to be starting to think like that. And, And China has complete freedom of speech but it doesn't have the freedom of speech to insult to uh to ridicule and we we don't ridicule people in 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 high positions because we have respect for their position even if we don't like the person that's how it is in China teachers get respect parents get respect community leaders get respect because of what they do not because of who they are and I I think I use this kind of thing here's the truth Rather than try to weaponize them or argue with them, just try and point out that you you don't have what you say you have, Mm. but we actually do have more of what we say they have. That's how it's done
1: um what do you think needs to happen though it seems that there is such a prevailing way of looking at things that's different right from China or from a different perspective and from the Western perspective it seems that a lot of uh, uh, people who grew up under the Western way of looking at things or of thinking of lifestyle they uh, automatically fall into a false, way of understanding the Chinese culture. Have you ever tried to uh, find out about that and try to address the problem on a fundamental level, Andy? Um, Because you can laugh at garlic thread, but how do you help people to stand on their own judgment and see different topics, different information in a different light next time without you having to point it out for them?
2: I think you've got to break through. It's very difficult. Um, I think, like you mentioned, in the West we, we're growing up to believe that our society, our way of doing things, is the penultimate. It's like how things should be. So it is so deeply entrenched. Even my friends back home who are highly educated, they still believe all of the you know conspiracies, all of the myths about China. For Example, uh, I have a friend who, when I graduated from Fudan, Fudan's an amazing university. It's not just amazing in China, it's amazing internationally. And I said to him, Oh, wow, I've actually got a master's now. And he said to me, Yeah, but it's just a Chinese one. And it's like, that's even my own friends. So it's so hard to get, get through to people. I'm not sure how to do it without us telling them in person. I just went back home for Christmas, and <laughs> my brothers uh, follow a lot of the conspiracies about China. So they had a lot of questions to ask me. And as soon as they started, asking, They were like, oh, Andy, I want to ask you, I saw this, um, and I said, you don't even need to ask, it's not true. Because the fact of the matter is most of the things you hear about China are, are not true. So the thing is, it's an ongoing battle and I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. But mm. as you asserted to it, it is such a fundamental issue. It's like you need to switch something in their brain. So I'm still really trying to figure it out. It's, it's yeah. a tough one.
1: Jerry, could you help with us on that?
2: I actually have a master's degree in this
0: and uh, studied this very deeply uh, it's what? called behavioral psychology uh, that's not my master's degree but cross-cultural change management is and behavioral psychology is a very big part of that so what happens in china is that we have a population of 1.3 1.4 billion people here who have a very different way of behaving under the same stimulus that an american or an australian or a kiwi would have given the same set of circumstances so there are seven or six dimensions of culture each dimension Mm. of culture separates the the different cultures and china has a national identity which can be identified as a culture so uh, an example just one example in the west people say china is an authoritarian state it's covered with cameras and people are watching you and monitoring you and i say yes they are this is true this much is very very true but people feel safe because of that in the west we feel monitored we feel uh surveilled we feel as if we're being oppressed right. but in China they feel safe and it is safe the crime rate in China is extremely low the other part of that same thing is in the west the they they profit from our misbehavior they they, they will hide a speed camera and zoom you go past it you're getting pinged you get a fine in china they put speed cameras all over the roads and say there's a speed camera up ahead your gps tells you there's a speed camera there's a seatbelt camera there's a mobile phone camera you're going to get caught if you do this thing wrong so they're actually managing our behavior rather than profiting from it so it's a very different you turn everything upside down when you come to china and that's the reason why people in the west don't understand is because they don't walk in chinese shoes and they don't see it through a chinese lens
1: is there going to be a day where this is going to change? The China bad you know, habit, is it going to change or is it going to be a long, long time until people in the West, governments in the West, established institutions in the West are going to say, okay, the Chinese and the Asian people and all other people in developing countries, they behave, they think differently. So let us put ourselves in their shoes
0: the answer is i don't think so but what i have uh, what i am aware of and everybody who who understands what's really going on everyone who knows they will know that there's a great deal of uh, confidence in the business sector now what that means is business people understand this and the reason this psychology even exists is because of a um, a guy called gert Hofstede who worked for ibm and he interviewed one hundred and forty thousand people around the world to start this school of thought about behavioral psychology and national identities. And and he was working for IBM, which was a truly multinational corporation. And they were finding that their business decisions, American business decisions, weren't being implemented in the same way in Japan or in Hong Kong. There was no China back in those days for them when when he first started this. And what they decided was, let's look at why Japan are doing this differently. Let's look at why, uh, Burma or India or any other country is doing it differently and so that's how it happened so corporations are very much aware of this government seems to not take the right advice and that's the problem because we're, what we're seeing direct foreign investment still coming into China despite this this claim that it's reducing it's not profits being taken out and it looks like it's reducing but the corporations are still coming here and doing business because they know and they understand it what they don't have often is good management here and that's why a lot of foreign corporations they come here and then they fail because they haven't matched their business philosophies with workplace psychology and these two things don't match they're a mismatch and that's consequently that needs changing but In terms of whether it will change on a geopolitical global level, the answer to that is I don't think so. Not until America, and it is the US that drives this, America needs revolutionary change. And by that, I don't mean civil war. I mean, it needs to go from being what it is now, 100% or 180 degrees different and look at the world differently. And that's not going to happen, probably not in my lifetime or yours.
1: Wow. I'm sorry. Well, so we'll be busy, we'll be driven. And Andy, you'll be, I hope, uh, continuing uh, continue to be passionate about what you're doing. What are your viewers? What are your followers saying? How much support are you getting from their response? How much echo are you getting back to tell you that you're doing the right thing at least?
2: Well actually, one of the uh, one of my peers, Jerry, is actually one of the people that gives me a lot of support. But my viewers, Um, I think it depends on which platform. So if you look at my YouTube, it's very much 99% positive. Um, So I can, if I feel bad, I just go there and have a look. But Twitter, you get a more of a kind of realistic um, response, I Mm. guess. But um, I I don't ever feel down when I get attacked. Uh, Well, I do sometimes, that's a lie. But mostly I try not to feel down about um, those kind of attacks, Uh, people telling me I'm a shill or I shouldn't be able to sleep at night. Because those people, when when you think about it, they don't know you. But also, um, when I get quite a lot of uh, negative comments on a certain post or a video. I think it's a success because that means that the, the content has reached a wider audience. So it's a, it's like a double-edged sword, I guess. Mm. Um, so I, I get strength from the negative and the positive, but at, at times also you need to you know speak with friends, people in similar shoes um, for the support. But um, yeah, it's, it's a tough battle, but I think I'm gonna keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you have to be a strong person, both physically and uh, psychologically, mentally, to be able to yes. do that. All the very best for the year two thousand and twenty-four. And with that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point. With me, Li Xin, coming to you from Beijing. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Li Xin in Beijing. We've got the point. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German Railway Company, Deutsche Bands, the 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 26th United Nations Prime Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world.